Welcome to a brand new episode of the Bold Take Podcast. I'm Austin Hill. With me as always, Austin Waiter. And we're back, ready for uh, a big episode. Are we Texas back? Oh, no, we're more than Texas back. Oh, we're back okay. Um, okay. But here we are, talking college football. You already know that by looking at the title. Um, but we're discussing uh, this upcoming season and previewing everything that's going to happen this year. We've got some exciting uh, announcements coming very, very soon, and some coming in this episode. Yeah. Um, so be ready for that. Uh, but before we begin, we want to give our quick condolences to Alex Collins and his yes. family. Um, I know such an inspirational player and such an iconic player uh, in Arkansas Razorback history um, tragically passed away not too long ago. Um, I know he is one of my favorite all-time Razorbacks. I really got into Razorback football around the time Alex Collins was there, and no one can ever forget the Henry heave that without Alex Collins, uh, you know, Arkansas may not win that game. You know, I just remember it as whenever he first came, it was, you know, right after the whole Bobby Petrino debacle and we got a big recruit from Florida. And I was like, huh, you know, we usually don't, you know, get recruits from yeah. down in Florida. So I'm like, this could be good. And even that first season, I think we were three and nine. I was like, oh my God, I, I love this guy. And, you know, he, like I said, so iconic. There's the heave, he, that unbelievable bowl game against Kansas State yes. where I think he had four rushing touchdowns over 200 yards. Um, I mean, he was the foundation for the Razorbacks, basically the whole Brett Bielema era. I mean, once he left, I mean, things kind of went downhill for yeah. Bielema and his time at Fayetteville. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's I'm not going to lie, for Razorback fans, it's been a bit of a tough summer. Uh, first with Ryan Mallett, now Alex Collins. Uh, even a Razorback football recruit, Unfortunately, passed away not too long ago. Uh, Reggie Chaney, member of Eric Musselman's first team at Arkansas for basketball, mm-hmm. he unfortunately passed away. But, um, but man, Alex Collins, yeah, I love watching him play. Only time I didn't was when he signed with the Ravens and he ran over the Steelers. Yeah, but that was like a half upset, half like, well, you know, at least the Razorbacks doing good, but you couldn't do it in like another division or yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, we're I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna miss him, no doubt. Absolutely, and I iconic and inspirational player on and off the field. Um, but let's head into the episode now. Uh, and first things first, we gotta talk about this AP poll coming out. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything too egregious, but we wouldn't be doing uh, our jobs here today. I mean, we did it all last year. We're doing it this year, and we can also just talk about looking at this college football season. This is really, you know. I don't want to. I don't know how to say. I don't want to say it's the last true college football season because we're going to have the next one. But this is truly the end of an era, really, when you think about it. Yeah. All these teams joining bigger conferences. Um, most likely, seems like the Pac-12 is going to be gone. Uh, this is the last year of the four-team playoff. We're going to be jumping to twelve teams next year. Um, so there's going to be a lot of change between after this season and next year. So this is really the last year. What's been our recent era of college football, if you think about it? Yeah, really, and that is, you know, uh, you know, we're gonna miss certain things and certain, uh, you know, competition. Uh, you know, people think that this is gonna be the end of the competitive era of college football, but I honestly think that it isn't. And I'm no. kind of looking forward to what's gonna happen, especially with the college football playoff is now gonna have to adapt to all this um, changing uh, with conferences and such because it doesn't seem like the format they initially proposed is going to entirely work out with yep. maybe really only two or three major conferences in Division One football. And, of course, there's more expansions recently. They 
Stanford, Cal, and SMU originally were in talks with the ACC. Then they backed out, which, I mean, made sense. But then yesterday, they're like, talks are back with those three joining the ACC, which, you know, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say if it's those – I mean, it's not the Atlantic Coast Conference, it's the All-Coast Conference. I mean, they wouldn't have to switch any of the letters. They would just have to switch what the ACC stood for. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's certainly going to be different. Um, but let's start with these AP polls. Yes, let us. And coming in at number one, though Kirby Smart may try to convince his players differently this season, <laughs> uh, Georgia, the back-to-back defending champs, clearly the number one pick for a preseason poll. Um, but they are still doubting them, uh, per Kirby smart, but I don't think so. That was the whole campaign last (laughs) year for Georgia. And I wonder if we'll see more of that, uh, this season, especially starting out number one in the preseason. I mean, there's, there's no way they can play that card, right? There, there's no way you thought they couldn't play it last year. (laughs) I really didn't think they could, but, and especially when you look at their schedule for this year, I mean, no disrespect to all the teams they're playing except for Tennessee. This is a pretty easy one of the easiest schedules for a def- two-time let alone a defending, let alone two-time defending national champion. I mean, Tennessee's really their even come close to their toughest game of the year. Maybe Ole Miss, but I mean, besides that, it's really not that difficult at all. So there's no reason that we shouldn't be seeing Georgia win it now, at least in that top three for pretty much the whole year, maybe until they go to Knoxville. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think this is going to be a team we're going to see up there uh, all season long until that Tennessee game, and maybe even after that Tennessee game, depending on how that one turns. Um, Then coming in at number two, uh, Michigan. Um, And a lot to be excited about at Michigan. Uh, Back-to-back college football playoff appearances, but now it's getting over that hump. It's We don't want to be there anymore. It's time to start winning some games, but – They've got an exciting backfield. Uh, Blake Corum coming back, correct? Yes. And Donovan Edwards, who has shown out it's an in elite Blake backfield uh, absence, um, along with J.J. McCarthy coming back for another season, probably his last uh, with Michigan. But this is a team that you got to get excited about. This is a team that's been really a powerhouse with a lot of these core guys. Um, and so one last run, and I, it, it really feels like now we're never for Michigan because – how much longer can you keep Ohio State down in the Big Ten? Yeah, that that's my thinking entering this year. I was like, listen, last two years Michigan made it. Yes, they were a good team. This, like, this has to be the year. This yeah. has got to be the year. You have Ohio State at home. Granted, your toughest game is going to be going to Penn State, which won't be an easy task. No. But you have, like I said, the best backfield in the country. A very an elite, almost dare I say, elite quarterback coming back, which Michigan and their recent year success haven't had true elite QB play. Absolutely. And a pretty solid foundation on defense, an overall decent and good offense, and a pretty dang good coaching staff. I mean, this this has to be the year for Michigan. If they don't, where they at least get to the championship, I mean, let alone they've gotten to the semifinals the last two years. If this year they can't get to that national championship game, I don't know if they ever will under Harbaugh, because this has been an incredible run they've been building up the last two years and now it seems like it has to come full circle this year yeah and uh, speaking of Harbaugh obviously the big thing coming into the early part of the season for Michigan is that Harbaugh self-imposed suspension from Michigan for the first three games of the season 
And those games are Eastern Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. So nothing too crazy, nothing too ridiculous, and this keeps the NCAA off your back for what could have been a much bigger suspension for Jim Harbaugh. But personally, uh, I don't. I'm not. I'm not in favor of this suspension. Um, you know, I'm not a big Michigan guy. I'm not the biggest Jim Harbaugh guy, but. This kind of feels out of nowhere, uh, especially with the Tennessee McDonald's uh, money in McDonald's yeah. <laughs> bag situation. Um, this feels a, a little bit more egregious and a little too harsh um, for what seemed to me like a kind-hearted gesture. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, at times, listen, at times the NCAA can feel like such a great organization and feel like everything's absolutely going that way. And then, like, m- over half, over at least 60, 70% of the time, you look down, they're like, Really? You're going to penalize them for that? Is that all? Really? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I will say you're absolutely right. The three games, it was bound that it was going to happen by the NCAA. But you look at their three games, nothing too severe. The only one I'd say I'm slightly worried about for them is maybe UNLV because they've slowly gotten more talented absolutely. in recent years. And Barry Odom, keep in mind, the new, the former Razorback defense coordinator, it's his first year as the coach there. So, mm-hmm. That's going when I'd say maybe there's a slight chance it's a close game without Harbaugh, but they should come out of this 3-0 and with him and then look to try to take control of the Big Ten this year. Absolutely. And a number three coming in our second Big Ten team here in the top 25 and in the top three, uh, Ohio State. And like we said, not much longer can this team be kept down. You know Ryan Day is looking to get back to that college football playoff. And Ohio State's looking to bring home another one, um, but they've got their work cut out for them. Yeah, they really do. Uh, I mean, new quarterback, it'll probably be Kyle McCord, the sophomore, I imagine. But when in doubt, you know, I don't feel as worried for him because, I mean, they have the best wide receiver in college football, at least on their football team. And while there's still some question marks about the defense and other key parts of how well they'll develop, you know when in doubt, Marvin Harrison's junior is going to produce for this team. I mean, that's just the bottom line. But can they beat Michigan? Again, keep in mind, Ryan Day, since he's become head coach, has never beaten Michigan. So, I mean, it feels like pressure's on for him to get it this year. And if not then, you know, I wonder if Michigan takes a ride like Ohio State did against them in years before. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's starting to feel um, it, it, a different out there in this rivalry. It's so Ohio State dominant. Uh, but like you said, uh, getting used to that new quarterback, getting the flow of the offense is going to be important. But it's always great to have a safety net like Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, uh, when just it comes not bad. To I mean, pretty good. You know, one probably the top Heisman favorite for non-quarterback position. So, yeah, I, th- I think they'll be fine if they can get him the ball. Absolutely. Coming in at number four, another team going to be dealing with uh, some change at the quarterback position. That's Alabama, second SEC team here on this uh, top 25. So far, just SEC and Big Ten in the top four. Um, but – Boy, oh boy, this is uh, going to be an interesting year for Alabama. Really, we've seen the mighty kind of fallen these last couple of years. Alabama has looked, dare I say, weaker than they have in the past. And certainly Georgia has taken control in this SEC. Um, but can Saban and uh, some of these new faces uh, around the team get this team back on top and back in the college football playoff? I mean, there's a part of me, let me clarify, in my head – I'm telling myself, you know, this team, there's a lot of question marks with it. Mainly, you think about Alabama in recent years, it's been a dominant offense, and that defense has just steadily declined over years. Now, entering this year, you don't know who your quarterback is even yet. We're previewing the season. Yeah. They still haven't announced it. And you have a 
offense that has a lot of unexperienced players, still a couple pieces coming back, and a defense full of a new player. So in your head, you're like, this could be like a 10-2, and two, maybe, dare I say, only a nine-win season for Alabama. Yeah. But in my head, but also in my head, I'm like, Dude, you got to remember who their head coach is. It's it's Nick Saban. So, because in my head, whenever I first saw these ranks, I was like, Alabama at four, that's a little bit higher than I thought they'd be. But at the same time, Nick Saban's a terrific coach. He has a whole new coaching staff coming in. So it's going to be interesting to see how well they do early in the year. By the end of the season, I think they're going to be one of the best teams in college football. And next year, they'll probably be a preseason number one. Absolutely. But the way they start the year, and you look at week two with Texas, I mean, that's going to be, you're going to find out about this Alabama team real quickly. For sure. And part of that new coaching staff, new offensive coordinator Tommy Reese coming over from Notre Dame and bringing with him the backup quarterback from Notre Dame, uh, Tyler uh, Buckner. Um, so interesting QB battle going on in Alabama. But, uh, I mean, if you watch any of last season with Buckner in that Notre Dame offense, he didn't look entirely comfortable. Maybe another year uh, under it will get him right. But if I'm Alabama, I don't take the chance of a guy changing places, even though he's the same offense. I'd rather see a guy like Milrow, who we saw firsthand, yeah. can be uh, quite the handful. I will say, yeah, that was the thing. The difference in those early 2010 teams for Alabama was, you know, not the greatest QB play, but a QB who can manage the game and elite weapons all around him in a solid run game. We don't know what Alabama's run game is going to be this year. And the last time they had a true dual threat QB, I mean, no offense to Bryce Young, he was athletic, but I wouldn't say... No, he stayed in the pocket. Yeah, uh, I would say Jalen Hurts was probably the last time. So if they can use him, uh, Jalen Miller, which I think should be the starter too, they use him like they use Jalen Hurts. I mean, they got a real good chance to be successful with him. Absolutely. He can make all kinds of things happen with his feet, with his arms. Uh, Alabama certainly one to keep an eye on this year. At number five, LSU comes in. Brian Kelly's second season at the helm. Second? Yes. Last year was his first year, and I mean – I don't know what it is, but there's just like a quiet confidence about LSU. Like no one's screaming about LSU, but at the same time, no one's saying like they're going to be like, you know, like a terrible football team or mediocre. Like people expect them to be really good. And obviously they're ranked fifth. Um, but they take a look, a ton of talent coming back from last year's team, which was a terrific year for them and a whole bunch of transfers coming in and more confidence under Brian Kelly. I mean, I will say, for the short-term future, if there's any year it looks like LSU could take the SEC, this is the year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, An uncertain Alabama. Um, You could definitely win your side of the SEC, go to the championship. Be a matter of if, like last year, do they uh, falter under the bright lights. It it seemed like uh, Georgia got the best of them when they matched up last year in the SEC championship. Yeah, and in that game, you got to remember they entered into it. They were uh, not second to last uh, game they played before their bowl game, final game of the regular season against A and M. They're four and seven. You're nine and two. Top, I think they're ranked six or seventh. Where if you win, you're probably going to be playing Georgia for a trip to the college football playoff on the line. They lose that game, and I think the momentum just fell downhill for them going into that Georgia game. And Absolutely. I think that's what ultimately cost them. Yeah, they need to keep, they need to stay consistent throughout the year if they want to be that. Because, I mean, week one, I mean, they, they're playing Florida State. That's a top 10 matchup week one. That's uh, not this weekend, but the next. But after that, they have a pretty decently good schedule for them until, you know, Bama. They got to go to Tuscaloosa this year, which is always, I mean, that's tough for anyone to go play yeah. there. So 
But this is a talented football team. They got a pretty good coach. I mean, I'm not I'm not counting them out of anything. I think that they can work together, especially learn their lesson from last year of not finishing the season strong. Absolutely. The biggest problem for LSU is it felt like they were so up and down momentum-wise this year. And now second year under Brian Kelly, they saw what they did right. But more importantly, they've seen what they've done wrong. Uh, I count on this team being a lot more consistent this year. Me too. Then we take a look at our first Pac-12 team here. At number six, we've got USC. And this team helmed by reigning Heisman winner Caleb Williams. Clearly right now, all eyes on him to be the number one overall pick, no matter what happens to USC this season. (laughs) But you got to like their odds. Uh, You know, clearly the front runner to win the Pac-12 this year. Um, But they want more than that. They Sure, they want to bring them the Pac-12 championship that they couldn't quite get their fingers on last year. Um, But they also want that college football playoff berth. Oh, yeah, they absolutely do. They want to get back to being taken as a serious national title contender. Uh, the offense is going to be phenomenal this year again. I mean, like I said, Heisman winner Caleb Williams is coming back. Uh, my question, again, comes to the defense. I mean, Lincoln Riley as a coach, even when he was at OU, was never even close to recruiting an elite defense for OU. Now, granted, I will give him credit, his teams at OU and this USC team last year were successful on defense by forcing turnovers and getting the ball back in short field for Caleb Williams. If the defense can do that, this should be a team that's in the playoff at the end of the year. If they can't, um, we're going to need to see maybe even better numbers than Caleb Williams did for this team to be able to get here because this offense is going to have to play lights out. Yeah, and I think a big thing to look for in this offense is developing uh, their ability to contain uh, defensive lines. Um, Caleb Williams really struggled when he got outside of the pocket having to make uh, some just some crazy plays. Uh, you know, they want to keep him in the pocket, keep him confident. Not to say he's not a playmaker. He can definitely move uh, outside the pocket and take off running. But we saw uh, what happens when he takes too many hits and he has to do too many freestyle plays. He got injured uh, in that Pac-12 championship game, and that completely stalled their offense um, when the offensive line just could not stop Utah's defense. Um, so USC is definitely going to want to improve uh, blocking. For sure. And we look at number seven. Boy, oh boy, it's going to be a power-packed Big Ten this year. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, Penn State coming in at number seven. This is always an exciting team, a team I always like to keep my eye on. James Franklin back at it again. And this year, Penn State really looks to overcome those hiccups. And it they've only got two big hiccups, and it's Michigan and Ohio State. If they can get over those humps, this team can be taken a little bit more seriously in college football. I mean, uh, you named it. You you couldn't have said it any better. This team is going to go 10-0 and in 10 of their 12 games, but we don't know about the yeah. two, Ohio State and Michigan. Now, they do host Michigan. That is a positive for their schedule. They do have to go play at Ohio State, though, and play in Columbus, and that, similar to playing in Michigan, that's no easy task to go in there and win. Um, but this team, man, I'll tell you, they have potential to maybe even consider to knock off Ohio State or Penn State this year more than last year. Uh, an elite running back duo of young running backs. I mean, you take a look at them, Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, both were freshman running backs last year. Pretty good wide receiving core. Drew Ayler, people have been talking about him since last year, about the hype about him. A lot of returning talent on defense. Only thing I would say is no Joey Porter Jr. That yeah. hurts your secondary a tad bit. But besides maybe the secondary, this should be a team that 
not only can will go 10 and 0 in those other games, but have a legit chance to go undefeated and beat Ohio State and Michigan. Absolutely. A very, very exciting team out there in uh, Penn State. Um, Florida State coming in at number eight. And this is a team that really put themselves back on the map last year. I mean, you talk about quite the fall off since Jimbo Fisher left, but a big resurgence, the first ACC team here. Um, and boy, oh boy, they look for a, uh, an exciting year. Like you said, they match up with LSU week one. Very, very interesting matchup there. Yeah, it really is. And I think, honestly, this Florida State, this team this year is probably their most talented roster since they won that national title in 2013. I mean, there's tons of talent coming back. Um, Mike Norvell's done his recruiting. He took his hits the first couple of years, you know, from people saying he's going to get fired. A real solid year last year. And not only, I think what last year helped them was by beating LSU, getting these big wins, going 9-3, is he got those guys' confidence back saying, yeah, we can compete with everyone, almost beating Clemson, competing hard in the ACC. Just looking at it and saying, we can compete with these top guys. We can get back to that level of Florida State, and this is their best chance to do it since that uh, 2013 team. And like we hinted at, LSU, Florida State, man, I can't wait to watch that because these are two teams that the winner of the game is going to be in the driver's seat early as one of those teams that could be a college football playoff team that wasn't in it last year because yeah. they'll be have a top 10 win. And, you know, we hear them say quality wins all the time. as a big thing. That, that could be a big one, and I mean – both those teams are so, like I say, balanced and even that it could be week one, it could be the best matchup of the season and maybe even top the matchup between the two of them last year. Yeah, full of pandemonium. Um, but like you said, you know, this this is going to put somebody in control of their college football playoff destiny very, very early in the season. And maybe you could even see the winner of this game jump up in the top four right away just because of how big of a win this could be. And you do think about it, Florida State, they do play Clemson early in the year. So let's say Florida State beats LSU, but they lose to Clemson. With that game being early in the season, they could finish the year strong, win the ACC title maybe against Clemson in a rematch, and they can still make a playoff. Or vice versa, you lose to LSU week one, but you win out and then win the ACC championship. So the big thing is they have to at least go one and one between those two. If they go one and one between those two, they still have a path to get into the playoff. Yeah, and you know you look ahead at this schedule, and it looks relatively easy right out of the gate. You're talking about that matchup with LSU, but then Southern Miss and Boston College, just before you go into Clemson, really, realistically, you should only have one loss coming into that Clemson matchup uh, at most. Um, and then you face Clemson. Then you've got Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Duke, Wake Forest, Pitt, Miami, North Alabama, and Florida. Obviously, Syracuse showed how dangerous they can be at points last year. Duke was kind of scary at points last year, too. Don't forget about them. They were a nine-win team last year. Uh, Wake Forest, it'll be interesting to see how they adapt after the departure of Sam Hartman. Um, Pitt has had a good couple seasons. Uh, but the big game here that could really spoil your season, uh, if you're Florida State, for me, is that Florida game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Florida's not ranked right now coming into this season, but they always find a way to put together a competitive team. Even last year, they had some big games, and so you can never count them out. Uh, but Florida State, they they could realistically 
put themselves, like you said, in the college football playoff, even with a loss in week yeah. one. Them, Florida, and Miami. Because Miami, let me clarify, talent-wise, Miami can compete with Florida State. Absolutely. It's just a matter of them gaining that confidence that they can go out and win those big games. So that's a game I think they can win, but I wouldn't like 100% give it to Florida State. Um, coming in at number nine, we've been talking about them. Clemson. Oof. Interesting season ahead for Dabo. Obviously, lots of struggles for Clemson last year with DJ Uigalele. Um, but now, Cade Klubnik, he gets to the team, gets a full season as the starter. Um, and honestly, showed his struggles last year. Um, and, you know, struggles are something to be expected from those young quarterbacks taking over, especially just kind of being thrust into that starting role uh, at the start of the season. So hopefully Clemson has spent the offseason and can get him ready to be the leader of this team and kind of be something in a similar vein to a Deshaun Watson or a Trevor Lawrence, somebody who led those Clemson teams um, and got them to the national championship as a leader and as a very talented player. And something else to remember, Garrett Riley, the man who won the Broyles Award for the top assistant, Got paid a lot of money to leave TCU to go be the offensive coordinator for Clemson, which that offense has struggled in recent years. So we'll see what he can do. They're going to have a great round game. Will Shipley's back. They should be able to run the football perfectly fine. Their defense should still be pretty talented. It comes down to how well can Garrett Riley, what can he get out of Kate Klupnik this year to determine if this team has a chance to get back to that level that they were under Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence and maybe get back into that playoff conversation. But they're going to have legit competition in the ACC this year, though. Absolutely. It is uh, not an easy path. We've already talked about Florida State, and we've got some others ahead that we'll talk about soon. Um, coming in at number 10, we've got maybe one of the best stories in college football last year. Oh, yeah. Was the Washington Huskies, and they're getting their, uh, their due here. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. is back, if I'm correct. Yes, um, he is. At the helm for Washington, and – they're going to look to build on the success of last year. Uh, very, very narrowly uh, a berth in the Pac-12 championship. I mean, they should have. Let's yes. clarify. <laughs> uh, we did a whole episode breaking <laughs> it down uh, just so everybody knows they should have been there. Um, but they're not. But this year, they get a chance. They're the second highest ranked team in the Pac-12. And they get to build on that success of last year. And with some big wins, uh, one being over Oregon last year, um, they look to kind of have some of that same magic uh, with Oregon again on the schedule, USC, Utah, Oregon State. So they've got a lot of tough matchups in the Pac-12 as well as that Michigan State matchup in week three. Um, so definitely the kind of schedule that is going to put you on the map. Oh, definitely. And I mean, you know, we kind of hinted at it last year talking about this team coming back. I mean, let's just get out of the way. This offense is going to be incredible. It is. This offense is going to score over 30 points a game at, at least, I think, in every single game. But that's not the question. The question is, can their defense, when required to, get those stops to win? Because that's what cost them some of those games last year. Uh, the UCLA game, they went to UCLA. Offense did great. Defense just could not stop UCLA's run game or Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Um, so that's going to be a question mark. I think their defensive line will be good, but it comes down to can their secondary make those plays, especially when you're going against Bo Nix who's coming off a pretty good year for Oregon. Yeah. Caleb Williams, I mean, need I say more there. Uh, you got Utah, Cameron Rising coming back, and he's been one of the elite quarterbacks in the Pac-12 in sure. recent years. And I won't say elite, but for Oregon State, DJ Uyangalale coming over, he was a five-star recruit, so he has the 
measurables to do it. So they're going to play some pretty good QBs and probably the best Pac-12 we've had in maybe five to ten years. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a tough road for every team in the Pac-12. Yeah, and what a farewell it's going to be for the Pac-12 because we've got some really exciting talent. I mean, give me – I can't wait to watch some Pac-12 after dark this year because yeah. it's going to be some really good games. Uh, coming in at number 11, you know them, the Texas Longhorns. Um, and this team – Last year in the Big 12, looking to make a name for themselves before they head over to the SEC. And boy, oh boy, the real question coming in for Texas is, who's playing quarterback? Yeah, I'm pretty confident it's going to end up being Quinn Ewers, I think. What should happen? I would I would think so. I know there's the hype around Arch Manning, which don't get me wrong, Arch Manning's going to play at some point. Maybe not this year, but... Something tells me this is probably going to be Quinn Ewers last year as a starter at Texas before Arch Manning takes over. Uh, But let me say this. Talent-wise, this Texas team has potential to make the playoff. Just talent-wise. Based on talent. Now, you look at their schedule. They have a game early in the season to make a statement. Like we talked about, Alabama. They got to go there. If they can win there, that's a good one. Do have to face Oklahoma. They do have to play Kansas State, but they do get them at home. Then they play at TCU, and really, you think about it, keep in mind, we do have some new teams in the Big Big 12 this year. None of them, I think, are going to be the elite of the elite, but they're going to provide new challenges for yeah. Texas, and we've seen in recent years, we wonder if Texas is back, and they just have those couple of games they lose that they shouldn't. Can they get away from that this year? If they can, I mean, this team's talented enough to maybe compete for an Addy, and I'm being dead serious there, and I hate saying that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think two games that uh, Texas can't find themselves overlooking are a matchup against Kansas, who was one of the more exciting teams last year, even though they come in unranked, and a matchup against BYU, who has really proven to be a solid team these last couple of years um, as an independent, and now moving into their first year in the Big 12, they're certainly going to look to make some noise against some of those powerhouses. Um, Coming in at number 12, a team that very well may have been in the college football playoff had it not been for uh, been for a season-ending injury to their starting quarterback. Agreed. And that's the Tennessee Volunteers. And uh, they're going to be led by a man with a nuclear missile strapped to his shoulder, <laughs> Joe Milton. I am so excited to see this guy take the football field and to see what Tennessee can do to build on their success last year. I mean, let, let me say it. Joe Milton has that heisman hype around him absolutely which if you've seen the man throw a football you you would be saying the exact same thing uh similar to last year this offense is going to be unbelievable the offense is going to be so much fun to watch but the question how well is that defense does that defense any more improve from last year because keep in mind that's a defense that gave up 49 to bama i think it was 63 to south carolina last year so how well that defense has improved can tell if they have a legitimate chance. And, of course, there's, I mean, the two major games on the schedule. I mean, Grand, they do play A&M this year. So A&M could be a bit of a tricky one, but they play at Bama, but they get Georgia at home. So we'll wait and see. But they have that kind of boomer bust potential this year. Absolutely. I'm looking for big things out of them, but it is a tough schedule and a long season. Coming in at number 13, you know them, I know them, I love them. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and boy, oh boy, am I excited for this season. Um, some key departures uh, from OC Tommy Reese, but a massive addition for Notre Dame, something they were lacking last year, and that's the addition of a veteran-proven 
quarterback. And just Sam so happened Hartman. to be your favorite player in college football. Yeah, last crazy year. enough, Sam Hartman <laughs> knew what he was doing, I think. Uh, but I, boy, oh boy, I could not be more excited for this. Uh, Sam Hartman's proven himself to be one of the best quarterbacks in college football over the last couple of years. And now he comes into Notre Dame to lead a team that was almost there last year with a bunch of reset and a bunch of turnover and Marcus Freeman's first year. Um, but what they were missing was that veteran, uh, comfortable QB. Um, you know, we saw it with Ian Book in his time at Notre Dame and, you know, flashes of it um, before that. Guys like Everett Golson, really comfortable there. Tommy Reese himself when he was a quarterback at Notre Dame. Um, so this team really needed an anchor at quarterback. And now that they have that with Sam Hartman, boy, this team looks to get going, returning a lot of solid pieces. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what the Irish do this year. Uh, I am also excited to see what the Irish can do. Um, you know, honestly, Sam Hartman, I was a big Sam Hartman guy, not as much as this man across from me was. Um, but I'm excited to see what he can do. And they have the games on their schedule that this team has potential to be a college football playoff team. They get Ohio State at home um, on September 23rd. Then they get USC come to town. That'll be a big one. And then they play at Clemson, which if you remember last year, they dominated Clemson. So the Clemson will be looking for some revenge there, but they had those games. And Mike, you're talking about, this was a team that had a pretty, a pretty good defense last year. Um, solid running game, but that quarterback was kind of the missing thing and a legitimate quarterback. Now they have it in Sam Hartman. Can they put it all together? Yeah, absolutely. Going to be a big question for me and the Notre Dame faithful. At number 14, uh, really was one of the big stunners last year with everything they went through uh, up and down, and that's the Utah Utes. Um, I'm really excited to see Cameron Rising come back this year and uh, bring that up-tempo, air-it-out air offense uh into the pack in the last year of the pack 12 and maybe look to stun some people this is a team both me and you picked to make the college football playoff last year and while they didn't get it done they did win the pack 12 and they'll be looking to build on that success this year i mean people need to give their respect to them usc and washington are good but you're looking at the team that's the two two time pack 12 champs back to back and returning a lot of talent. yeah returning a lot of talent now cam rising might be slow out to get go because people forget he suffered a torn acl in the rose bowl last year so he might be a little bit slow out of the get-go um but this is still a talented football team who has officially planned to join the big 12 next year so they're looking to make their case to prove they can do it in the big 12 i mean this conference i mean the pac-12 i mean this is going to be a fun conference there's a lot of teams that can win this it's it's going to be great and utah is definitely one of them overall talent wise and coaching wise and they have that confidence that they're the best team in the pac-12 and they can see if they can carry that to maybe ending the Pac-12's uh, tenure as a conference with a three-peat. Yeah, it would be uh, certainly unseen. Um, but at number 15, we've got another Pac-12 team coming in, Oregon, and a team that quite literally watched their college football playoff and Pac-12 championship hopes and dreams slip right through their fingers all the way down to the last game of the season where they were absolutely gutted by a dominant run game from Oregon State. And the team that did not pass in the second half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is, it was unbelievable. But Bo Nix had a career year last year, looks a thousand times more comfortable in this Oregon offense than he ever did at Auburn. Um, and he'll be looking to build on a big, big season. 
But the Oregon defense, that's the big question mark. They couldn't stop Michael Penix. They couldn't stop Oregon State. Can they stop guys in big games to win it and push this team over the threshold to being a competitor? I mean, we're going to find out because, I mean, their Pac-12 schedule, they get Washington, Utah, USC, and, of course, Oregon State. But USC specifically, I mean – you want to find out about this defense. You're going to find out against Washington and USC how much it's improved. But one they need to keep an eye out for, they play at Texas Tech at early in the season. That's one that they might get caught off guard if they're not ready for it. And a big thing besides defense, keep in mind, they are basically starting over with this offensive line. I, I talked about it last year whenever I was high on Oregon before they lost by 46 to Georgia in week one, uh, trying to forget that one. Uh, but their return, they're going to have to make some new starters on the offensive line, and that might be a struggle early in the season. So Bo Nix might be needing to look to make some plays with his feet too early in the season until this offensive line gets firm. But you're absolutely right. The defense is the true question mark. Their offense can score. Can their defense get stops in those big games against Washington, USC, and Utah, and even Oregon State? and come out as Pac-12 champs again and maybe the final season. Yeah. Uh, coming in at number 16 is Kansas State, a fun team to watch, an exciting team to watch. But really their struggle was in those big games, they couldn't quite – I won't say they didn't meet the talent, but they couldn't get the job done. Um, they came out and they hung with everybody, but they couldn't pull it out in the biggest games, um, even though – they That's won it. the Big 12 championship, <laughs> not to slander them there, but in the regular season, lost some big games, and it'll be a wonder if this year they can come out, win these games, win these bigger games, and instead of winning their conference championship and watching the college football playoff from the couch, if they can put themselves in the college football playoff by winning some of those big games in the regular season. And I really think they can. I think Chris Kleinman, keep in mind, he was the one that made North Dakota State into a legitimate dynasty. He came over to Kansas State, and he's built a firm foundation there. They're not a flashy team. Let's just no. get that out of the way. They're not going to be a flashy team, but they are a team that's going to return all their starting offensive line, a QB who shined at the end of the year, Will Howard. Granted, they will not have Deuce Vaughn back, which does hurt because he was so much fun to watch in Absolutely. college football last year. But you take it behind that O-line, they can run the ball well. Their defensive line, I'm, I think there's a legitimate chance. You're absolutely right. If they can win those big games – they have a legit chance to repeat as Big 12 champs. And, I mean, you look at their schedule for the Big 12, really not that difficult uh, for elite of the elite. You got TCU, and then you play at Texas. That's really their biggest game of the season is going down to Austin and trying to win. And that really could be maybe a Big 12 championship game preview between those two teams. Uh, so you're absolutely right. They win those big games. They should have no trouble being able to repeat as Big 12 champs. I'm completely with you. Coming in at number 17, the team who Kansas no State toad. just barely edged out, a team that we cheered on quite a bit last season, and that was Texas Christian University. Boy, oh boy, this team was exciting. Unfortunately, they'll be missing a key piece in Max Dugan, but they'll get their starter Chandler Morris back. The guy who started their season last year um, before getting injured and losing his job to former starter Max Dugan. Um, so a guy that is definitely comf uh, comfortable and confident in this offense, and they're comfortable and confident with him. Uh, it's going to be a matter of can they repeat that magic and make another college football playoff run 
uh, where they made it to the national championship. Yeah, um, we don't know for sure if they still have shown up for that natty yet. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, absolutely right. They made it last year. My question is, they're going to have lose a lot of talent from last year, obviously, that went to the NFL draft. My question is, can Sonny Dykes build off that confidence? Because that was his first year at TCU, people yeah. forget. Can he build on that confidence? And maybe while they may not win, go to the national championship, can he keep them competitive and fighting for the Big 12 title? Because talent-wise, they still have a lot of good pieces that should have them a competitive football team this year. So we'll wait and see if they can ride that confidence they got last year. Coming in at number 18, a team we've already talked about, Oregon State, who really dominated Oregon to close out their regular season with the no passing attempts in the second half, <laughs> just running, 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 running. But now they get a guy who kind of needs a spark, needs to find himself, and that's DJ Uigalele. But at his best, he can be one of the most exciting and thrilling players in college football. Uh, can Oregon State unlock him and you know find uh, the true potential deep down? I mean, I don't think I've seen this big of expectations for an Oregon State football team, maybe in my entire time yeah. as a college football fan. Uh, this team, it has potential. The ground game we get, they're returning a lot from defense. And like I said, there's so many competitive teams in the Pac-12 this year that it feels like a team like Oregon State can maybe sneak in there in that Pac-12 championship and maybe be competing. But yeah, it comes down to DJ Uyangalele. How will he perform in the Pac-12, because we saw some struggles offensively with Clemson. Maybe not as much pressure on him, knowing they have a solid run game there. He can feel a lot more confident as a as a quarterback at Oregon State. Maybe revive his career and give him maybe a chance at being an NFL quarterback. Absolutely, and hopefully that's the last time in this episode we'll have to butcher his last name. I really, I really hope so. You know, I'm hoping they're good this year, but at the same time, I'm going to be worried if we have to say that name every yeah, single week. I'll be practicing. <laughs> um, coming in at number 19 a team that you can always count on to be a contender in the Big Ten, that's the Wisconsin Badgers, and they are looking to kind of snap back to what uh, Wisconsin has been. Um, absolutely star running back whose name has completely slipped my mind. Braden? Brandon? Braylon Allen. Braylon Allen. You were close. I give you that. Um, Braylon Allen. Truly exciting. Uh, really gives you those uh, Jonathan Taylor vibes. Um, another Wisconsin uh, man. And so Wisconsin is going to look to rely on him heavily. Uh, but like I said, they want to snap back and compete with the elites of the Big Ten again and go back to making that Big Ten championship. And you think about it, you got to remember, there's a ton of changes there. Number one, Luke Fickle, former Cincinnati coach, taking over there. New quarterback, Tanner Mordecai, one of the best passers in college football, transfers from SMU. And the big one, you got to remember, the big signing of getting uh, Phil... I think it was Longo, I think is his name, offensive coordinator from North Carolina. He got paid a bunch of money to come there, and this is not going to be your typical Wisconsin ground-and-pound offense. They're going to throw the ball a lot in this offense, which is different, and you wonder if teams from the Big Ten will have trouble adjusting to that, and maybe enough Wisconsin could maybe be a surprise team this year. Really, I really think they have that chance. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. Looking to shock a lot of people this year. Coming in at number 20, Oklahoma Sooners, uh, under their second-year head coach, uh, Brent Venable, um, they are looking to make some noise. Hopefully, that offense gets going a little bit better uh, as they look to make a push in their final year in the Big 12. And 
really win it, uh, put themselves back in kind of that title contention because after Lincoln Riley left and after the slow start to last year, uh, this team looked a whole lot different than we've seen Oklahoma in the past. Yeah, but I guess if there is a positive, Dylan Gabriel is coming back. He was a pretty good quarterback for them last year. Um, there's a lot of transfers coming in on the defensive line for them. Uh, my question is, can he get this defense, Brett Venables, this defense playing elite like he did whenever he was the coordinator at Oklahoma and when he was coordinator at Clemson? That's going to be the big question. Is that defense right? Because I think their offense can do a good bit, but can that defense get to that Brett Venables level or at least a step closer to it? If they can, they have a legit chance in the Big 12, but but I don't know if they will this year. It, to me, it feels like a their first year in the SEC, they might have a chance to reach that full potential. Yeah, I'm completely with you. Um, but they want to start ramping up that defense as much as possible because the SEC is a much more physical and oh, yeah. gritty oh, yeah. uh, conference. Coming in at number 21, uh, a team that's definitely got some excitement behind it, uh, especially in that quarterback position, North Carolina. Um, and Drake May looking to have another magical season and looking not to pull the Sam Howell and kind of disappear after that first big season. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing North Carolina this year. I think they're one of the more exciting teams in college football and a team that a lot of people aren't really paying attention to. Yeah, I will say that. I think people say that as a part because what I said with Wisconsin, their offensive coordinator left, uh, Josh Downs, their elite wide receiver. He went to the draft, uh, a wide receiver. I forget what his name was, but it was an elite wide receiver transfer. Don't think he's going to be able to play this year due to some transfer news with the NCAA and them, you know, not being the greatest people in the world. So it really is going to be the Drake May show this year. And how, and not only that, defensively, I think is another thing they need to figure out. Mac Brown's the coach. When he was at Texas, he built some pretty solid defenses at Texas. Can he get a firm defense to go behind that star quarterback he's going to have that probably is going to end up being a top 10 pick in the NFL draft next year. Uh, if they can run, if they can get on Drake May's back, this team can compete in the ACC with those other two Florida State and Clemson. Absolutely. Coming in at number 22, Ole Miss led by Lane Kiffin. Uh, this is a team that's really kind of been, I'm going to say so-so since Lane Kiffin took over. Um, they've definitely had some exciting and big moments, but Again, they're 50-50 kind of in the in the big moments, um, and they definitely have had their struggles. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they come in and look to be competitive in the SEC. But again, if there's a time to strike in the SEC, it's now. I won't say the SEC is looking weak, but Bama's not reigning supreme. And especially when you're on that side of the SEC, it, it, you got to take advantage of your chances while Saban's low. Yeah, they definitely – this is definitely their chance. They have their – Running back coming back, Quinshawn Junkins was the freshman of the year in the SEC, a 1,500-yard rusher. Uh, keep in mind, I don't know if they've officially announced who their quarterback's going to be because remember Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State QB last year, he transferred there, and he's competing alongside Jackson Dart, the former USC QB. So they're kind of having a QB question there. Um, but my question, again, similar to I've said for a bunch of teams, they're going to have a pretty good offense there, Lane Kiffin. The defense at points last year looked legit for them, which is the first time a Lane Kiffin defense has looked legit maybe in quite a while. Um, so can that defense pull it all together? And if they can run the ball as well as they can. And another thing, they got to be able to finish the season strong. Under Lane Kiffin, they've had some really good starts to the season, but just have just fallen apart in the second half of seasons. I mean, last year started 9-0. Lost the final three games of the season. So 
we'll have to wait and see, but they do have that potential, like you said, with Bama not being 100% legit this year, to maybe compete with LSU for that SEC West title. Then we cut to 23, uh, a team that is relatively and extremely undeserving of a spot in any you, sort of You rankings, had me at that. Um, is Texas A&M. Again, they put together another good recruiting class, but no one cares about your recruiting class. Let's see this team perform on the field, which we just haven't seen out of Texas A&M. This is a team that I, I think, again, anything can happen in that SEC East right now, or West, SEC West right now. Yeah. But this is not a team that I uh, think is going to have that much success. Uh, there's just no consistency in Texas. To me, A&M. there's only one way they could have any kind of success, uh, and that's they did bring in Bobby Petrino. But I've heard there's a lot of conflict between him and Jimbo about who's going to be calling plays and whether Bobby's just going to be helping him and not actually doing it. If if Jimbo can get rid of his freaking being, you know, being I'm a national champion coach and whatever, he can get rid of that and let Bobby Petrino take over his offense. They could be a good football team this year. I'm talking maybe maybe eight and four, you know, like the, yeah. the Jimbo special at AM. Um, but I will say they have a lot of young talent that's coming back. So if that young talent can play together, they have a chance. But I'm with you, I don't consider it a legit chance for them. But like I said, SEC West, you really you really never know with that one, especially like we said with Bama. So it's gonna be interesting with AM this year. Coming in at number 24, we've got Tulane, a team that I think should be ranked way, way higher. Um, absolutely phenomenal season for them. And they capped it off with a little bit of a victory over USC. Just a, just a tad just bit. Just a tiny <laughs> bit of a victory. Um, and this is a team that I'm really excited to see how they handle coming into this year after the success of last year, especially with losing some of their key uh, offensive players. Yeah, Ty J. Spears, their running backs, gone to the NFL, looking really good for the Titans in the preseason. Uh, but they do have Michael Pratt back. They do have a lot of talent back. And I will say there is a chance this team could make noise primarily week two of the season. Ole Miss comes to town. That's That could be your big win of the season. You win that one, and then you can win out. I mean, you have a legit – chance to maybe enter some conversations of playing in the elite of the elite bowl games and take a look. This is a kind of a brand new uh, American conference. Some of those teams like Cincinnati and UCF are gone. New teams entering uh, such as, you know, UTSA. Uh, why am I, th- I'm running out of other ones. I was trying to think of uh, uh, Ford Atlantic, I think joined didn't they. Yes. They were okay. Um, yeah. There's is UAB new. I, uh, I believe so. Yes, UAB is new as well. So there's a lot of new faces, and they could really kind of set the tone in this first year and say, hey, this is our conference now. If they can come out and have a great season, like you think they can, and I and I think they can. Absolutely. And rounding out the top 25 at number 25, one of the <laughs> most fun football teams to watch in the entire country. Uh, fun is completely subjective. Um is the Iowa Hawkeyes, a team that is known for their gritty and physical defense, not so much their uh, wonderful offense. Yeah, um, but you got to remember, they do have a new quarterback coming in this year. Cade McNamara, the former Michigan QB, comes in. So you think maybe they'll be able to score 20 points in more than two games this year? You wonder, but their defense should be elite. Um, but you got to remember also there's a little bit of turmoil in recent weeks with them and Iowa State about a whole bunch of gambling scandals going on there so you wonder how that could hurt them going into the season but uh that defense should carry them to at least eight or 
maybe seven or eight wins. If their offense could get them one or two wins, this is a team that maybe could be a surprise team to be playing for a Big Ten championship against either Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State. Yeah, I'm completely, completely with you on that one. Um, but now, let's go to a special announcement that we have. Yes, I'll um, let you take it away. This was this man across from me's brilliant idea. I give him a ton, all the credit for it. This year, we'd like to unveil a Bold Take Podcast Team of the Week and Bold Take Podcast Player of the Week, uh, in which every week we will put together a list of our top three, um, and they will receive five points for our number one team or player, three uh, three points for our number two team or player, and one point for our number three team or player. Both of those will go up on polls on uh, X and <laughs> Instagram, Okay, and no, no, it's it's Twitter. We're not we're not we're not switching to calling it fine. Twitter. <laughs> Twitter and Instagram and uh those fan votes, uh whoever wins those fan votes the day before will certainly get extra points heading into the final and then we will come in and announce our winners uh each week uh on the podcast. Um and that will culminate in having a bold take player of the year and a bold take team of the year. Uh, that'll be based on some form of the winnings. We haven't decided yeah. if it's going to be about to say points. This, yeah, this could be points or, you know, just most fun team. Yeah. Something like that. So we will certainly, uh, we're, we're certainly looking forward to it. I was uh, very excited by this idea. kind of wanted to spark and bring something new, something fun to get everybody involved. Um, and I think this would be the perfect way to do it. But with that being said, I would like us both to predict who we think will close out this season as the Bold Take Podcast Team of the Year and the Bold Take Podcast Player of the Year. Ah, uh, man. Uh, for Team of the Year, one I really like, and I don't know why, but a team I do like, I think I like Texas Tech this year. They're okay. a team that I think could be really fun. They have a lot of things that maybe could go their way this year that wish they could air a conversation for Big 12 champs. Uh, another one in the Big 12, I like Kansas. I mean, they're returning their entire starting offense from last year. Um, and for best player, I mean, Michael Penix Jr. from Washington has to be up there. Certainly going to be a guy, man, you will talk about a bunch. I, I can imagine it's one we'll talk about a bunch. Um, maybe, you know, for fun points, KJ Jefferson from Arkansas. Maybe even someone like a Jalen Milrow from Alabama, kind of that surprise who we think has a chance to be good, but can he excel over the top? Um, and of course, Joe Milton from Tennessee. I mean, he's got, he has this award written all over him. I Absolutely. think at least he has the potential to, but those are some of my preseason picks for that. Uh, this is going to be fun. Uh, one more team I'll give. I like, I like Wisconsin maybe as a sneaky team okay. for that. I'm just going to throw out my one solid guys. I think could probably all right. be here uh, at team. Of the year for the Bulltech Podcast, my preseason pick is going to be the Oregon Ducks. Okay. I think the Oregon Ducks, we talked a lot about Oregon last year, and they were exciting last year. I think building on kind of what they did last year, they're looking to be more successful, and I think that could land them uh, as something that the Bulltech Podcast talks about quite a bit and ends up being the team of the year. And uh, I think some bias may contribute into this one. But I've got Rocket Sanders as the Bull Take podcast. I like it. I was I was trying season. to stay away from it as much as um, I could. <laughs> I think, you know, we're obviously going to try and keep this as unbiased as possible. But, you know, it's going to come down to being completely subjective, subjective based on our votes and the fan votes. So I'm so, assuming Sam Hartman might enter this conversation. Sam Hartman too. <laughs> is another guy that will probably uh, circulate around the top here. 
Um, but those are some of our picks to get everybody excited. And hopefully at the end of the year, we're going to compile a bold take podcast team of the year uh, where we take all of uh, the players for college football position by position and hopefully build out our own team, kind of like an all-American team. Yeah. Um, to bring to you guys. And we'll wear full suits and everything. Yeah. We'll have an award show and everything. Get it all put together for uh, our little event. <laughs> One of us will be the stand-up that starts the show with a couple of college football jokes. Probably one of us, or maybe we hire someone. I could yeah. probably find a guy. I don't know. Get somebody to come up here and do it. But with that, let's get into some of the real predictions for this All season. Right. Some of the big ones. And let's start with the Heisman Award. Who do you think is going to bring home the hardware, the most pre- prestigious award in all of college football? Oh, man. I mean, I mean, come on. You, you got you to gotta be kidding me with this one. I really like Michael Penix this year. I could say KJ or Rocket Sanders, but I'm trying to stay away from bias. But, I mean, if it was bias, those two would be my favorites. But I really do think Michael Penix Jr. I think Joe Milton, If besides Michael Penix, I think those are my two non-Razorback ones that I really like the most. Uh, and I think Washington's offense, even if they go 9-3 and three or 10-2, and two, it will be so much fun to watch that it's just – there's no way they can't give it to the most fun player in college football this year. That will probably be Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking uh, that there are two guys that really come to my mind when I'm looking at the Heisman. Uh, not my favorite, but probably my second favorite pick right now outside of uh, players on my favorite teams uh, would probably be Bo Nix. Yeah, I was, um, I was thinking in my head you were going to go Bo Nix. He was – you know, I wasn't a huge Bo Nix guy – he wasn't super great at Auburn, but he really came into Oregon and really took it seriously, really improved, and really shined. Um, and again, Oregon is going to look to get better. They're going to look to clean up some of those mistakes that cost them a Pac-12 championship and very possibly a college football playoff berth uh, last year. And I think Bo Nix is going to be at the center of all that. But the guy I think really shows Heisman potential this year is Drake May. Like you said, it's going to be the Drake May show at UNC <laughs> this year. He's going to do a lot of the heavy lifting. And if this team shows any kind of success, it will all be on the back of him. And that's why I think he'll bring home the Heisman. I, like I don't pick. think there's going to be a player in college football that does more for his team than Drake May does this year. I like that pick. I really do. I think that's a really good pick. And you know, it's like we talked about. He's going to lead that team. They're going to go – they're either going to have a chance to go undefeated because he's going to put up legit numbers – or they might be an eight and four team because the defense and someone yeah. else might cost them a couple of games. So, but let's talk about these conference. Winners. Yeah. Um, I've broken it down into just the power five conferences as an homage to the power five and coming. <laughs> it is coming to an end in all likelihood. And so we say goodbye and farewell with one last pick for each of our power five conferences in the ACC. Who is bringing home the ACC championship this year? Well, let's just let's just cut straight to the chase. I mean, this is between two teams this year, pretty much. I do think Duke maybe has a sneaky chance to compete, uh, but I do really think it's going to come down to Florida State and Clemson. And I do think the amount of talent Florida State brought back from last year and the confidence they built, I think that gets them the ACC title and a big win for them and really gets that program going back to being one of the top teams in college football again this year. I mean, this wasn't a hard pick for me. This wasn't hard. Yeah, it almost wasn't a hard pick for me. But when I look at this, I think that there's still some potential. 
I, I think there are a lot of good teams in the ACC, but I don't think anybody's truly elite and stands above That's everyone fair. else. That's I think this is really a lot of people out there. Talent-wise, like you said, there's really only two clear teams. But I think with everything that can happen in college football and the level of competitiveness in the ACC, because a lot of people think they can win the ACC after last year, uh, I'm going to go UNC here. I think Drake okay. May, my Heisman winner, helps elevate his team above the rest, and they steal the ACC from Florida State and Clemson. Okay, I like it. I like it. Let's spin it over to the Big Ten. I mean, really, you think about it, though. Didn't you pick North Carolina to win the Natty, like, our first year? I did. On our college football that predictions? Was, that and, was then, like, and then they lost week one to Virginia Tech. Yeah, that was, like, said the year after the Sam Howell craze. Yeah, that was the Sam Howell and hype. Then, and then he was just not as <laughs> But uh, for the Big Ten, I mean, really? I mean, I think it comes down to three teams that we mentioned, yeah, all the top ten. This is definitely a three-team fight. Um. I'll just say third one, third one, and that one out, that's just Ohio State. Um, I just, I don't know what it is about them this year. Besides Marvin Harrison Jr., there's not a lot that I'm confident about with this team. Really I need I need to see them play on the field before sure. I have fully anything. Um, but to me, it's between Michigan and Penn State, and I think that matchup in Happy Valley will be the decider game. And man, Happy Valley is a tough place to play. I think they have a ton of boost potential this year. Give me Penn State to win the Big Ten this year. I think they take advantage of that big game. And I think with Ohio State's not proven talent, they can go into Columbus and win. Especially the momentum after that Michigan Yeah, because they're right next to each other pretty much. Uh, as long as they don't lose that one really weird game that in recent years they do, like Illinois and Minnesota and uh, really weird games, this team – is probably the most talented team James Franklin has had. And it comes down to Drew Ayler. If he lives up to the height that people say he is, this team can be national title good this year. And I'm buying into the hype of it, so give me Penn State to win the Big Ten. I like a lot of what you said there. I think it's a lot of good stuff, um, which is exactly why I picked Penn State to win the Big Ten. Hey! Uh, <laughs> I, we, we've been pro-James Franklin and pro-Penn State these last few years here on the Bulldog Podcast, but this team looks really good. Um, there's a lot of things that point in their favor in the Big Ten. Like you said, you get the home game against Michigan, and you get an unproven Ohio State team so far. Obviously, we'll see how the season goes for Ohio State, but this is a lot of stuff for a Penn State team that can help push you in the right direction, and those little things sometimes are enough to make a big swing this season. Oh, yeah. Let's look at the Big 12 now. Who you got? The Big 12, I think I was choosing between four teams here. I think maybe even five or six. You know, not all 12 of them, but um, Texas, let me say, Texas, talent-wise, should win the Big 12. They should easily win it. However, to me, I have a two-team race here that I don't know if you're ready for, for me to say, for the Big 12. So one of them... I like Kansas State to at least make the Big 12 title game. I think with Will Howard back, a ton of talent back on the offensive line and defense, and they're such a well-coached team and just they're just such a solid team, I think they can at least get back to the Big 12 championship game. And my big surprise, Texas Tech makes wow. the Big 12 championship. And I have a full reasoning here for why. It. So number one, they had three different QBs start four-plus games for them last year. 
and they still somehow went eight and four, eight and five last year. They were the the first five FBS teams they played last year were all ranked at the time of the game. They returned all eleven offensive starters. Four of their five losses last year were on the road at NC State when they when NC State was really high ranked and they had Devin Leary when we all bought into the high pro in the year at Kansas State who was the Big Twelve champ. At Oklahoma State early in the season, whenever Oklahoma State was a legitimate opponent, and at TCU, who, I mean, went to the national yeah. championship. And they beat Texas and Oklahoma, which did have Dylan Gabriel in the game, and they did beat Ole Miss. And they finally have Tyler Shaw back, who is their QB that was supposed to be the starter all last year. He is 8 0 in games that they are 8 0 in games that he has started and finished. And I think this is Joey McGuire. Remember, the Baylor assistant coach, this is his second year now. And this whole he has a whole season to look back and learn from. And not to mention, they finished the year on a four-game winning streak. I like Texas Tech to make it, but lose to Kansas State. I think Kansas State repeats as Big 12 champs. I just think they're such a solid football team now. Under Chris Kleiman, I think they're going to compete for that Big 12 title year in and year out now, especially once Texas and Oklahoma leave next year. I'm completely with you, which is why I took Kansas State as well. Uh, I really like the way this team looks. They really got it figured out at the end of the season, and Will Howard kind of seemed to really spark this team in a different direction. Um, And they look like legitimate competitors. Um, Had it not been for having three losses, they probably are playing in the college football playoff last year. Um, And I, I really like Kansas State to repeat. They seem like the team that is in the best spot coming into the season in the Big 12. Definitely. But like I said, Texas, talent-wise, just based on talent, they should be able to win the Big 12. Absolutely. But it never comes down to just talent. No, it does not. Texas. No, it does not. <laughs> um, Now let's look at the Pac-12. The final the final hoorah for the Pac-12. One last ride. Ah, man. There, there are so many options here. Uh, I wanted to pick Oregon, but questions about their defense and – a whole new offensive line kind of steered me away from them. Utah with Cam Rising maybe going to be slow starting the season. I kind of steered away from them. Oregon State with DJ, I just wasn't 100% confident in him. So that left me with two, and two teams that ironically will play in the regular season this year, Washington and USC. And I look at this game, and I already hit the over. I don't even know what the yeah. number would be for the game. You hit the over. You have to. Um, but it comes down to me. To which team's defense do I trust more? And I'm going to be honest with you. I like Washington's defensive line a ton more. All starters returning from that defensive line from last year. This is a team that I think can legitimately win the Pac-12 this year in its final year. Michael Penix wins the Heisman and wins the Pac-12, and they go out with a bang. I love it. I love it. I picked Oregon here uh, to win the Pac-12. Okay. Um, I've, I've been saying it the whole episode. Um, you can clearly tell where I'm looking this season. <laughs> um, but they're cleaning themselves up from last year. They're going to fix those little mistakes that cost them some of those big games that cost them the, the Pac-12 championship, that cost them a college football playoff berth. And uh, I think they can go out, get it done, fix themselves, and have their eyes set on the college football playoff. All right. I and like it. That leaves us with our last Power 5 conference. Um, a conference that's really in an interesting place, and that's the SEC. Yep. They're going to have two big teams joining next year. 2024 will be a big year, but the last year with what's been the teams for a bit now. And, I mean, let's just face it. The SEC East 
is going to go to Georgia most likely. It comes down to Carson Beck at QB for Georgia. How well, how good is he with this offense? Because he has weapons around him that should be, make Georgia number one all year. I think they can beat Tennessee, but I, I, I still need to wait and see. And the West, I've already kind of made my case for them. I do like LSU this year. I just think they're such a solid, sound football team that people are talking about, but I don't think they're legit talking about them, if you kind of get what I'm saying there. So LSU-Georgia, a rematch of last year. The difference this year, though, the quarterback play of Jalen Daniels in his second year as LSU starter, he learns from his mistakes. Brian Kelly and them learned from their mistakes against Georgia last year, and they get revenge. LSU, as painful it is for me to say, wins the SEC. I like that. I like that. I think this year's SEC championship is going to be played in the regular season. I think Tennessee and Georgia will square off. Okay. In a matchup that decides the SEC. I think the winner of that game will win the SEC East, and they will probably have a pretty easy cruise through the, uh, through the SEC championship. Okay. But in this matchup, I think it's going to come down to quarterback play, and I think the better quarterback is Joe Milton. I okay. like Tennessee winning this game, winning the SEC, and being the number one team in the nation. Ah, I love it. Part kind of don't, but at the same time, I kind of do. Um, but okay. All right. We did not agree on a lot of these. I love that. But let's look at that college football playoff. Who are your college football playoff teams this year? Okay. So this, my list might kind of surprise you. So number one, I do have LSU in my book. I know it's kind of surprising. Number two, I do have Penn State in there winning the Big Ten. I have them, my objections, going undefeated, winning the Big Ten. Number three, even though I think they might, don't, I don't know what happens week one, I do think Florida State will at minimum go 11-1, and one, and they make the playoff at number three. And my number four team, I don't know if you're ready for this one, we're going to have a team sneak in that did not win, does not win their conference championship. Michigan beats Ohio State last game of the season, relax at home for the Big Ten, Washington Beach, USC in the Pac-12 title game, knocks SC out, and Michigan slides in at the number four spot. Wow. That's my bold prediction. So LSU, Penn State, Florida State, Michigan. What is your four, sir? What do we got here? Okay, so I spoiled it a little bit, but at number one, I've got Tennessee. I think they're going to go undefeated, hold it out, win the SEC championship. They're our number one team. I think with how talented the Pac-12 is, Oregon wins the Pac-12. They take the number two. Okay. Penn State takes the number three with those big wins over Michigan and Ohio State. And at number four, I think this team only loses one game, and that's Georgia. Okay. They Three-peat is alive. They only lose one game, and it's to the number one team in the nation. They don't get to play their conference championship because of that, and I think the committee feels sorry for them, gives them another chance. in the playoff all right who do you have going to the national championship now so my my matchups are number one i would love both these matchups so one versus four would be lsu versus michigan which would be i think a really fun matchup but in the end i like lsu to beat michigan in that game and then the second one for penn state florida state i don't know just something to me about penn state this year i do like penn state's defense and overall talent wise I think they beat Florida State. So I have an LSU-Penn State National Championship game. And that one, I think that might be where QB play catches up to Penn State. And I think Jalen Daniels and LSU and Brian Kelly 
win the national championship this year. That hurts me to say. That yeah. really hurts me to say. But I really think this team has legit chance to win it all this year in college football. My matchups in the semifinal. Oregon, number two, versus number three, Penn State. They square off. They play a great game. But I think the heroics of Bo Nix elevate this team to the national championship. And in a regular season rematch, one that could have very well decided these two teams' seasons, Tennessee and Georgia square off where the Georgia defense gets the best of Joe Milton. Ah, I like rematch, it. Joe Milton in a rematch. And pushes them into their third straight national championship. I like I like where this is going. Where they face Oregon <laughs> and they shut down Bo Nix like they did in week one of last year to win their third straight national championship. Wow. This guy picked Georgia to win. Boo. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, Just I, remember, Kirby, we're not doubting you. Yeah. Just we have a man on here who picked you to win. He, You know, I actually don't think either one of us picked Georgia to win at all last year. No, so that's didn't. probably what he was talking yeah, about. He's probably an avid listener. He probably is. He probably listens to every, like, every sports podcast like, oh, I don't pick Georgia. Okay, I'll remember this. You got one of us to at least pick Georgia, okay? Yeah. I went with the other SEC team. So we both went SEC at least to win the Natty this year. It, it It's an exciting season I look forward to. But now we get to take it week by week. That's the yeah. fun part. We've dug in, <laughs> we've held out, and we're back for college football. And we're not done yet. Now yeah. we get to look at week zero, everybody's favorite week of the college football season, I'm sure. And I mean, let's just say there was a tweet going around that says, if you watch week zero and your favorite team's not playing, you're watching those games, you're sick. Well, I'd say, but I think me and Austin are both sick here yeah. because I'm going to be watching these games. I'm going to be watching every single one I can, except for USC San Jose State because I don't have the Pac-12 network. And, no it's, and it's not worth it to buy it for one year, if yeah. I'm being honest. So... Uh, do with that may, but it's going to be a lot of fun just watching uh, college football in general this weekend. Absolutely. So let's start with our week zero bet of the week. But before we get there, we have our official yes. records from bets in college football last year. And there was a wide disparity <laughs> of uh, attempts on bets. Uh, I'll let you take it away. So, yeah, um, Austin was the smart one and kept it cool and did only really one bet a week. The way I did mine, like the brilliant man I am, I did like three per week. I did two backup ones and then one main one. And But I still counted the backup ones because I set them on here. But overall, this man across from me had 15 total bets he gave you. And you came out with money if you bet with this man. 10 and 5 record. Wow. You did really, wow. really well That's last cool. year. Uh, so only 15 bets for him. I had... A few more. I had a few more. Um, you know, just just forty one. Um, almost triple. <laughs> almost triple. Hey, not not triple, but not almost. Um, and unfortunately, if you bet with me the whole year, if you just did mine, you didn't. You kind of lost a little bit of money. Nineteen and twenty two overall. That kind of hurts. However, if you combine our records together, you came twenty nine twenty nine and twenty seven. You made money with the Bold Take podcast if you bet college football last year. So I mean, you're you're welcome. We probably made you a good bit of money, especially that man. That man probably made you way yeah. more money than I did. And so we're getting better. We're feeling it. We're out. getting better. I like. Oh it. <laughs> yeah. And so now this season, you have the numbers. Do you trust us? 
I hope you do. I was pretty good, so you should at least trust me. My week zero bet of the week <laughs> is Hawaii plus 17 and a half versus Vandy. I don't think this game gets that out of hand. Uh, I agree, especially you've heard the rumors that this game's not getting played at Vandy, right? No. There is rumors. So they did some construction work on Vanderbilt Stadium, and the construction might not get done in time for the game. So there are rumors that they could be playing this game, wait for it, at a high school football stadium. Yeah, that certainly <laughs> doesn't help anything. Yeah, this um, game may be close. Now, there's rumors of of it maybe getting played there, but I mean, just just think just think of the memes if this is played yeah. at a high school stadium. I mean, it would be peak week zero. Uh, for mine, I'll start the season with only one. You know, knowing my luck, probably week one, I'll do like 17 of them. Um, but for mine, I didn't go with the same one. I almost took Navy against Notre Dame just for fun. Wow, sick. I would have been disgusting. Yeah, but I didn't. That one's not happening. Don't. That's not counting on my record. Whenever I review this at the end of the year, this is not counting for my record, that one. Uh, I end up going with San Jose State and USC. I want to see I want to see points, at least in a game I'm not going to watch probably. Nonetheless, I like the over 66.5 for USC-San Jose State. I think USC is going to score a lot of points. San Jose State's returning a couple of key pieces on offense, and I think they can score enough but I don't know if things stop that USC offense enough. So I like the over as my official bet of the week. So we got Hawaii and the over. So, I mean, what a combination. You got to take it. Yeah, this is... You might as well parlay them both together. Yeah, win you some real money there. Um, Now, let's get to those week zero game picks. We've got three game picks here. And we'll start with Notre Dame versus Navy. I'll go ahead and go first. I'm taking Notre Dame in this game. Uh, there's a part of me that wants to take Navy, but I mean, keep in mind they do have a new coaching staff, so I think that hurts them. And Notre Dame wins. Keep in mind this game's going to be played in Ireland too, yeah. And it's the first official game to kick off uh, the season. So, but yeah, I like Notre Dame. You might see their offense kind of struggle early trying to get Sam Hartman going, but I think either late second quarter or just second half in general, I think Notre Dame rolls in this game. Then we've got Hawaii versus Vandy. Who you have in this game? Mm, mm, I really want to pick Hawaii. I really do. But at the same time, I think Vanderbilt, let me clarify when I say this. I don't think Vanderbilt's going to be a good team this year. I don't think they were a good team last year, but they were improved as a football team last year. And I think they continue to at least improve as a football team and they beat those teams that they're supposed to beat. I think it's the best game of week zero, but I think Van I think Vanderbilt's able to survive. You know what? Screw it. Let's say Vanderbilt wins in OT against Hawaii. Wow. I like the way that sounds. I've also got Vandy winning this game, not by more than 18, but winning this game. <laughs> Maybe they win at 18-0 just to make you upset. Well, <laughs> we'd be in trouble early. Uh, and finally, San Jose State versus USC. Uh, this one, I have to go USC. I think San Jose State can maybe score them for a half, but then USC's talent takes over in that one. Um, it's easily USC there. I mean, I yeah. want to give San Jose State a chance, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I'm with the USC. Some safe picks to maybe uh, just pad the stats for later this season. <laughs> well, hopefully we get, get off to a solid start. Yeah. So maybe things don't get out of control later on down the road. But remember, last year both of us did have winning records in our game picks. So, hey, trust us with your bets. Trust us with your game picks. We know what we're talking about. So if you don't want to go with our spread picks, you could always just do money line on yeah. our picks. So, I mean, 
that's just straight up. So either way. So really, we would have made you a ton of money if you were betting on all the game picks. True. If you were going straight money line on our picks, especially mine in the NFL, I don't know how I was really good at picking the NFL yet so awful at picking college football last year. So I don't know. But with all that being said, that's going to do it for us here at the Bold Take Podcast. A lot of exciting stuff coming. College football is back. But for Austin Waiter and myself, Austin Hill, we want to thank you for listening.